1: what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the top dogs podcast here on the field of 68 media network we are presented by our partners over at Bet river sportsbook and i can officially say per every single one of all of my sources both on the record and off the record that officially yukon is back after an 87 69 win over providence last night yukon has now won two in a row They've won five of their last six and they've won six of their last eight to get to 21 and seven on the season and 10 and seven in the Big East, finally climbing back into the top 10 on Kempom. Included in that run, a 15 point win over Marquette last week and an 18 point win over Providence that they got last night. They are a three point loss versus Xavier at home and a three point loss at Creighton two weekends ago away from being on an eight game winning streak, as we are now just three games away 10 days away from the start of march madness from the start of the big east tournament from the start of all of the games that matter more than anything else to all of us so uh it's a good spot to be in if you are a uconn huskies fan like i am there's a lot i want to get into here and a lot i want to discuss about that game last night and what the last week two weeks and frankly last four weeks have been like uh for uconn fans since january kind of came to an end uh first thing i want to say though uh, last night was the first time I was able to get back to Gamble Pavilion uh, for the first time in like I think sixteen or seventeen years. Last time I was there, I was in college. I uh, I graduated college two thousand eight. So at some point in that span, I was that. I just haven't been back to Gamble since. It's a long drive for me. I drove up four hours yesterday morning. drove back four hours last night after recording after dark uh, from the floor of Gamble Pavilion. The billion building was electric. Um, The $2 beers certainly did the trick, as Ed Cooley can attest, and uh, as Dan Hurley can attest, that building was loud, that building was packed, that building was intimidating, and I think that it showed uh, in the way that Providence ended up playing. I've never seen a Providence team just kind of roll over the way that that team did last night. Um, cool to talked about it in the post game press conference. He said it was man against boys. He said that I did not have my team ready to play. I did not have them ready on the toughness level. Uh, by the end of the game, you could see Devin Carter and Bryce Hopkins and Jared Bynum and all of these veterans just walking back on defense when it was already a 20 point game. The first time that Providence has been down by 20, uh, at any game this season. So really, really impressive performance all around from the players, from the students, from the, um, from the, the program and from the school that was able to get this uh this game to the point where you had the whiteout with all of the towels despite the fact that there was snow to fight defi- despite the fact that it was a 6 30 tip in stores when everybody had to work that day. Uh really really impressive and um I think it needs to be noted that this is what you need your home court to be if you're going to have the level of a success that UConn fans demand in this conference. Right. Prior to Tuesday night if you look at the top five teams in the Big East there were only two losses that any of those top five teams took on their home floor during the, the the conference season both of those losses were by UConn at home to St. John's and at home to Xavier by three points On Tuesday night, Marquette won at Creighton and Villanova won at Xavier. uh, Results that more or less decided what the Big East regular season title was going to be. If UConn had defended their home court this entire season, they would be tied for second place right now with three other teams in the Big East regular season standings. Uh, That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the difference Between being uh, more or less locked into being the five seed in the Big East tournament and having a chance to get into that two or three seed line so that you don't have to play three of the top five teams in this league to be able to win the Big East tournament title. That's the difference right there. It's those home games. You got to protect your home court. Gamble last night was a fortress. That's what it needs to be every single night if UConn is going to be able to compete at the level that they want to compete. That's what it is every single time you go to Omaha to play Creighton. That's what it is every single time you go to the Cintas Center to play Xavier. That's what it is when you go to the dunk and it's a big game at the dunk or the amp or whatever the hell they're calling it down there in Providence these days. Uh, That's what it is every time you go to play a big game at Marquette. That's what you need. You need that home court environment, and it was that last night. Um, it matters. The noise you make matters. It impacts their own team It impacted them last night. Uh, one of the toughest teams in the country couldn't handle the environment. I think that says it all. Hopefully we will find a way to keep that thing going because uh, it was really impressive how well UConn played in that space and how poorly I think, you know, a lot of that was a result of what UConn was doing. But I think that, you know, Providence was a little bit intimidated, intimidated by the moment. It's hard to blame them there. So um, remember this. Remember this result. Remember this performance. Remember that it matters for you as a fan. You want to win? This is how you contribute. Um, All right, let's talk about the game. Uh, I guess a little bit about the, the last three weeks overall. Before I do, just a reminder, make sure that you are subscribed to the Field of 68 YouTube channel. Make sure you rate and review this podcast if you're listening to it on a podcast app. And also make sure you go and you subscribe to the Field of Sixty Eight. We just started the Field of Sixty Eight Daily Premium, which means for the next five weeks you we will be able to get two extra newsletters on Saturday mornings. You get a column from Stats by Will on uh, what he thinks is the most interesting topic in the country, and then on Sunday mornings you are going to get a full breakdown of everything that happened on Saturday in college basketball. Uh, it's the biggest time of the year. Now's the time. Um, if you're really into it and you want to support the Field of Sixty Eight, nine ninety nine. Uh, the field of 68 premium, um, I think it's worth the value. All right. Uh, the game last night, I am – I can say it now. I am thrilled that I did not completely bail on this team. thought about it. Um, I thought about just kind of writing them off, but uh, there's too much talent there, and it seems to me like UConn – doesn't seem to me. Uh, UConn has figured out some of the issues that they had and the flaws that they had and the things about their team. Uh, that were exploitable. Um, I'm going to get into all that. I'm going to talk about all that. Cause I have some takes about all of that. Uh, I have some takes on Adama Sanogo. I have some takes on Jordan Hawkins. Um, I think that there is a lot that we need to discuss that we, that, that has been something that we've kind of speculated about, but I think that we can now, uh, speak about with some certainty, um, at this point. I also have an interview with Danny Hurley coming up. I also have a segment from uh last night's After Dark with John Fanta from the Florida Game Pavilion, where we talked about this very game. So um there's a lot of good stuff coming up here in the pod. I want to start with this. Uh, I do believe, and I said it over and over again, I thought that it was a confidence thing. The the issue when Yukon went through their bad run is that it was a confidence thing. Um, Andre Jackson was not being guarded, he did not know how to deal with that. He was struggling with. Uh, being someone that defenses said is so bad at basketball that we're gonna let you shoot. He couldn't figure out how to impact games. At the same time, uh Tristan Newton was kind of struggling with his confidence and, and his intensity and his uh and his and like finding a way to create an impact on a game. So I'm gonna start with Tristan. I, I think that he's just he's so important to what UConn does offensively because one, he allows you to have somebody that can make something happen. When nothing else is working. You need that when you get into a tournament setting. You need that at the end of a college basketball game. There are going to be times when the team has a set completely scouted, when they know exactly what you're going to do, when they blow up the action that you're trying to get a shot out of. You're coming down eight, seven, six. And you need someone five to be go out there and make a play four and find a way to either get on the free throw line or get a foul or create an easy shot for somebody. Uh, and Tristan Newton has been that guy since UConn got it going again since he found a way to be able to take advantage of his size. You know, I think the knock that we had on him and that I specifically had on him coming into the season, I didn't think he was going to be athletic enough to be able to get to the basket and make the plays that he needs to make in the Big East Conference. Uh, And I do think that he's found a way to kind of take advantage of his size and his physicality you see a lot of stuff where he kind of gets into the lane holds somebody off with his shoulder and creates a little bit of space and gets a little floater um he is getting all the way to the basket sometimes he is finding people with passes i just i think that he's been very very good and uh what he can provide off the bounce is something that uconn does not have anywhere else um i also think that andre was i thought he was sensational last night I thought he did everything that we want him to be able to do as a player. I thought that he was uh an absolute terror on the ball against Devin Carter. Like Devin Carter is a stud. I think that dude's going to end up playing in the NBA and he was all out of sorts uh because Andre was up in him. I was talking with someone on the staff last night and um I I couldn't I didn't really see this until I actually saw him in person, right? But you can kind of see it with Andre's posture. Uh you know how you talk about how like a dog has their ears pinned back, right? And you know that's when they're ready to get aggressive, right? What Andre it's his shoulders, when he's kind of slouched like this and he's kind of playing leaning forward and he's kind of folding, I don't want to say folding in on himself, but kind of leaning forward like that, he's not the same guy as he is when his shoulders are back, his chest is out, and he's playing with a level of confidence. That's what you got to look at. When he's out there, when he's got his chest out, when you see the Yukon across his chest, that's when you know he's coming and he's ready to play. And that guy, he, he changes – everything because he does all of the little things that creates extra opportunities right there's two examples that i want to give you from from last night uh the first was it was in the first half um yukon had a three-on-one fast break that looked like it was going to get blown up um tristan was coming down he had andre running down the right wing he kind of threw the ball away a little bit andre was able to save the ball keep it in bounds Uh, It came to kind of came between Devin Carter and Tristan Newton. Tristan was able to pick the ball up, knock it to Andre Jackson, who picked it up through a cross court pass to Jordan Hawkins, who banged home a three. Um, And that was a moment where it put UConn up by uh, 25. It put him up 25 to 22 after Providence had just retaken the lead. Um, There was another possession in the second half where I believe it was Jared Bynum had the ball on the top of the key. Um, Devin Carter came to him. Andre Jackson was right up in there, created a steal, created a turnover, picked the ball up, got out in transition, found Jordan Hawkins on the opposite wing, bang, three, 42, 32, UConn up by 10. Those are play. Th- those are just specific examples. Like there was a bunch in Creighton, he kept a bunch of second chance opportunities alive uh, against Georgetown. It was his offensive rebound and his ability to throw the ball over the defense to the weak side of the floor to Alex Caraban for the game-clinching three. It's little things like that, right? Not all of them are going to show up on the box score. Um, for example, uh, Devin Carter, three for 10 last night. He hit a couple of really, really tough shots that were fluky. I don't think that he played well at all offensively. Go back, look at the highlights, look at who was guarding him every time that Devin Carter shot the ball. Things like that. Um, when Andre's playing confident, that's what happens. It gets you easy baskets. Uh, it gets you second chance opportunities. It gets you, you win possessions that you, you wouldn't necessarily have otherwise. And that's to say nothing of his... He's the only guy on the team really that's going to grab a defensive rebound and take it the other way and go make something happen because he's beating everybody down the floor. The dude, honestly, like, should be, he's a world-class track athlete if he had just never picked up a basketball. That's what you need out of him. I thought he did it perfectly last night. I thought he was great. And there's, there's, you know, honestly, I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, I'll get into those in a second. But Andre playing confident, that was one of the liabilities, right? And, uh, no, you know, I'll talk about it right now. What they've been able to do to keep him engaged and keep him involved offensively is they've changed a couple of things. One of them is, uh, we talked about it earlier, they're using him more as like a screener and involved in those actions so that it keeps the defender engaged. The other thing that he's done a really good job of is some of like the the backdoor cut and and being present in the dunker spot. Um, There's two ways that you can create space essentially as a player. It's the vertical spacer, right? Uh, well, it's the obvious one. It's the three-point shooter where def- defenders have to pull out to guard you. The other is a the, is the vertical spacer, right? And what a vertical spacer means is when someone's coming down the lane, there's a shot blocker in the paint. There's a help guy in the paint. You have to make a decision. Are you going to come over and try to take a charge, try to contest the ball handler, or are you going to stay with the guy that is on the lot? Think about it kind of like almost as a two-on-one. You got to make a decision. Where are you going to go? Who are you going to guard? What are you going to do? If the guy comes over to help and you can throw the lot up, throw it to the top of the square, Andre's up there, bam dunks it that's the vertical spacer that's how you create space in and around the basket just by being able to jump up and catch a dunk because that guy's got to be aware of it if he knows that there's a lob uh, a player behind him that can catch a lob maybe he doesn't come all the way over for a charge that allows you to, get to the rim finish with a layup finish with your left hand so uh, he's been able to be a vertical spacer um, he's been really effective as an off ball cutter uh, you know he had the back door on I think it was the second possession of the game um, last night, Tristan found him. There was another one where early in the second half, they ran a set play uh, that that where Andre was wide open for the dunk. I can't remember who didn't throw him a pass, but they didn't throw him the pass and they didn't get it to him. Um, but they found ways to keep him engaged as a cutter, as a screener, as a mover um, and somebody that is just involved in doing things offensively. If you're involved in doing things offensively, that's all you need out of him. Just he cannot be someone that just stands out there and misses threes that when no one's guarding him, because then you're just going to completely blow up the uh the confidence that he has. So Andre playing confident. That was the first liability. The second liability was Alex Carabin defensively on force. That's where people attacked. We saw what Bryce Hopkins in the first Providence game he had. uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it was 100 points and 50 rebounds. Um, It was Zach Fremantle in the first Xavier game. Again, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it was about 75 points and 25 rebounds. Uh, We saw Omax Prosper go at him in the first Marquette game. We saw uh, Arthur Kaluma unsuccessfully, but still try to go at him in the first Creighton game. Here is what Caravan has done in the four games since then against the fours. Fremantle, nine points, two for five from the floor, got in foul trouble. Hopkins, he had 16 points, but he was four for 10 from the floor. He had no rebounds. You're going to live with those numbers from him, from a guy that is probably the most talented player in the bees. I think you can make the argument. Uh, Arthur Kaluma, two points, 0 for six from the floor. Omax, three points, 0 for one from the floor. UConn won by 15 in that game. He has gotten so much better defensively. And some of it is confidence. Some of it is learning how to use his body and his length. And some of it is just, he's gotten tougher. You know, he's no longer just a, uh, a freshman out there. First of all, he was always an old freshman. Second of
0: all, it is now, <laughs> excuse me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: It is now coming down to the end of what is effectively his third semester as a college basketball player. That dude is a veteran veteran uh as old as you're going to get for a freshman as experienced as you're going to get for a freshman um and he is playing the best basketball uh of his college basketball career at this point best basketball of the season freshman of the year in the big east he's been he's been terrific defensively that has changed a lot of things for UConn in terms of how good they are because again remember you get stops that's how UConn gets out in transition you get out in transition that's the easiest way to get Jordan Hawkins open catch and shoot threes. That's the easiest way to be able to score against uh, a defense that isn't set. And look, as good as UConn has been in moments, they're still not great when it comes to playing against a set defense. The more that they can get out in transition, the better. Uh, another thing that I wanted to note, um, I think Adama's, Adama's acceptance of the fact that he's not going to be the superstar every single game. He's not going to be the guy getting 18 shots every game. Not every single game is going to be Creighton. It's just so important to what what UConn is and and kind of how they can use him, right? I think at this point, we all know that the most dangerous guy on the floor every single time that UConn steps on the floor is going to be Jordan Hawkins. Uh, That's why you see teams scheme to stop him that's why you find ways to uh chase him off of screens that's why he is the guy that is sprinting the way that he does around the basket and we'll get to him in a second but um i think adama's ability to find ways to impact the game beyond just being the guy that gets the ball eight from the basket dribble dribble dribble, dribble shoulder into chest pump fake step through you know ballerina feet find a way to try to finish around the basket the post game is still there He can still do that, and you still have opportunities where they throw it to him in the basket. But, I mean, his passing game has really opened up. One of the things that I've seen a lot more, and I can't remember them doing this a ton early in the season, but one of the things I've seen a lot more from them is uh, running a set to get Adama Sinogo 18 to 20 feet away from the basket at the high post and then running pin downs on either side of him, right, and finding ways to kind of get defenders engaged on either side of him. There's two things that happens here one you're forcing andre jackson's defender to guard him two you're creating opportunities for jordan hawkins to come off of a off of a curl and then come off of a a dribble handoff or same thing with tristan newton and three you're allowing adama to kind of go one-on-one uh i guess what is most likely going to be a slower-footed uh less coordinated defender away from the basket and that's what he's really good at and four his ability to pass out of these actions was really, really impressive last night. He had three assists out of him. They got three layups out of that. Um, one was a backdoor to Jordan Hawkins. One was a backdoor to Tristan Newton. Uh, there was another one. I'm blanking on who ended up finishing it, but I think that it ultimately resulted in uh, Naheem Aline hitting a three. Um, he's not great out of the post, like when he gets double teamed, but if you let him kind of stand up away from the basket and scan the floor, he's really good at that. And, oh, by the way, because – he can shoot it a little bit. It pulls that defender away from the basket, and it creates a lot of space in and around the lane. All of that shit matters, and it matters a lot. And uh, his acceptance of kind of being that guy as opposed to being the guy that's going to get 20 shots a game, so important. I, I can't emphasize enough how how important that is to the chemistry of a team, the chemistry in a locker room, and the ability of everybody to get along and the team to reach their ceiling. That That's – I, I can't say enough about what Adama was last night, and he still finished with 16 and 9. And then the last thing I want to mention here is Jordan Hawkins. I don't, I hope people appreciate how difficult of a skill it is to sprint the way that he sprints around screens consistently on every possession, come around curls and catch and shoot without ever getting tired, without ever looking like he's off balance. It makes it, There's a reason why he draws so many fouls on three-point shots, because he's so fucking fast, and he comes around those screens so hard, and he takes those curls so sharply, and he has such quick release that you're trying to get that contest in, and a lot of times, there's not much that you can do once you kind of get there. You're trying to get the contest in, and he's right there. He's got such quick release, you run into him. It's just... It's it's really incredible watching him. And honestly, it's why he's going to be a great NBA, uh, NBA role player and a great NBA shooter. Um, but more importantly, he's been able to develop uh, the rest of his game off of that shooting ability. Like the one that stood out to me last night, I- I'll say it again. Devin Carter is... One of the best, if not the best perimeter defenders in all of college basketball. He is sensational at getting around screens, at blowing up screens, at, get, at making sure that you know when Hawkins comes off, he can still get a contest on the shot, uh, keeping perimeter, def- uh, per- uh, perimeter players in front of him. Uh, that was a hard thing to say. Last night, there was a play where Jordan does all the running stuff, gets to end up getting the ball in the perimeter. Throws a pump fake, takes two dribbles to his left hand, kind of comes around and finishes it with a lefty floater outside the lane, off the glass. A ridiculously tough shot. Great defense by Carter. Better offense by Jordan. Those are the kind of things that you need to see out of him to say, like, oh, okay, yeah, like, NBA teams need to really, really take a long look at this dude. He's tough defensively, like, he's a skinny little guy, but... He's got heart to him. Like, you could see that Baltimore coming out. Sprained his ankle last night, came right back in. It's not the first time that he's dealt with an ankle thing. Like, he can kind of play through it a little bit. I just – the more that this season goes on, the more respect I have for his game and his ability, and, and again, I I cannot say enough about how good of a job Hurley has done adjusting what this uconn team does and finding ways to make it work with the pieces that they have some really really smart tweaks and adjustments to what they do offensively and look a lot of armchair psychologists and basketball psychologists (laughs) and basketball psychologists to try to get some of these guys that didn't have that confidence and self-belief to play with that confidence and self-belief and it's It's been a lot of fun to watch. It's been a lot of fun to watch them come back. I feel great about where UConn is right now. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen in March. I don't know what's going to happen in these tournaments. Uh, I'm hoping for a run in, in Madison Square Garden in the Big East because uh, that would be a lot of fun. I miss the Friday and Saturday night semifinals games and the finals games. be great to watch. I'll be there. It'll be great to watch UConn and them. Um, a lot of fun to make a run in the NCAA tournament. But wherever it goes from here, this is what I want to say. And, and Ed Cooley kind of touched on this last night and it it's irked Connecticut fans a little bit, but I do think that there is some truth in what he said in that we have been spoiled as UConn fans. We have been think about what we have with the, what we have with the men's team from like the nineties until 2014. Think about what we have with the women's team from like 19, what is it? 1995 on something like that. And Appreciate that we saw what the worst of it could be. We saw what it could be like, frankly, to be a Providence fan when, from 2016 through 2020, right? We saw what it was like to be completely irrelevant, to not matter, and to not have a team that you wanted to watch. Now you have a team that you want to watch. So whatever happens from here on out, like, I'm just appreciative that I give a shit again, right? I'm just appreciative that uh, I kind of have that level of anxiety And that level of anticipation before a big game Um, to have that level of confidence, where when you're going up against a rival like Providence who like, let's be honest, nobody wants to, no one on UConn wants to deal with anything that's going to happen from, uh, from, uh, you know, a perspective of dealing with Providence fans after Providence beats UConn. And to go into a game like that, looking forward to it and being excited about the potential of, of winning the game, as opposed to, Dealing with the dread of like, shit, man, we're gonna hear of so much from these people if uh, if UConn ends up losing. Like, just the fact that this is where the UConn program is right now, it's it's great and it's awesome, and it, uh, I'm glad that they're back. And you know, whatever comes of this season is what comes of this season. But I'm 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 firmly in the camp of uh, anything is possible this year in a year where it is wide open as this college basketball season is. Um, I could see UConn losing the first round of the Big East in the NCAA tournament and not have it that be be that big of a shot. I could see them win the Big East and get to the Final Four and not having it be that big of a shot. I'm here for the ride, man. I'm here to go. I'm 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 here for whatever comes. I'm going to be supporting no matter what happens. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch this team and the resiliency of this team. Got to be proud of the boys. Got to root for them. Uh And I'm I think that's all I really have to say about it. It's 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 a great time to be a UConn fan and a great time to be supporting this program. And I am fired up that my son is just as into it as I am at this point. So uh, let's get into that conversation. We're going to go Dan Hurley first, and then we'll get into that interview I did. uh, Well, not interview. The segment I did on UConn from last night's After Dark with John Phantom. Before we get into all of that, let's hear a quick message from the sponsor of today's episode, Webster Bank.
0: Oh, oh, whoa! buy a new home beats grow my business at the buzzer webster bank is offering you a chance to win a trip for two to the men's college hoops finals in houston just pick your biggest goals for 2023 and enter today at webstergoals.com no purchase necessary ins three twenty five twenty three, must be a legal resident of connecticut rhode island massachusetts or new york and at least 18. for rules and details visit webstergoals.com webster bank na member fdic equal housing lender
1: now let me welcome onto the field of 68 after dark uconn head coach dan hurley dan first and foremost I got a little bit of a bone to pick with you. Perfect. I uh, didn't realize <laughs> that we were doing the white out, so I had the, ro- the the road blues on.
2: Road blues. Yeah. and You should have the throwback whites. Yeah. I needed
1: it. I needed it. <laughs> I, I went to the store. I went to the store to look, and then all they had was the Rudy Gay one. And I was like I already got the Kemba jersey, right? right? Oh man. Yeah.
2: I, y'all, this, you, you are you're a super fan. I and I
1: it. tried my damnedest up there to not go nuts right yeah it didn't really work all that well but you know i kept it subdued respectful right
2: january must have really sucked oh
1: yeah it was it was rough (laughs) oh it was rough so let's let's talk about that so um you you mentioned it in the press conference right you had the three home home games or road games against the top four teams always tough st john's game seton hall game how have you turned it around like what what has changed
2: yeah i just think uh i think it's a, a culture number one i think we uh you know, we pride ourselves on how connected we are and, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that we work our ass off 11 months a year as a program to be able to weather the storms that come up during the season. And you know, listen, we had a joy ride through the non-conference and, uh, and the start of Big East play, and I think the schedule caught us. Um, you know, you throw in that, you know, that that game again at XL versus St. John's, and mm-hmm. I still just have a, a hard time wrapping my mind around our performance that day. but. Um, I think you go through hard times, and uh, as long as you've got some character, it makes you tougher.
1: Tristan has really gotten it going over the course of the last three weeks. We know UConn point guards. We know your offense is so important when you have that lead guard. What does he provided, and what does he change now that he's – it seems like he's more aggressive getting to the basket.
2: Yeah, I mean, we need him to. I mean, we need him to be able to play off script uh, a little bit more. Um, you know, we, we, There's no secret to what we do offensively. We run a lot of things to you know, create opportunities for our shooters, for mm-hmm. Jordan, and – and for Caravan and to get post-ups and to, for Adama and to get Donovan in the ball screen game, role at the rim. But you know the coaches that we play against are really good, man. They uh, you know, they take away a lot of the best things that you want to do, and the you know, players got to make plays mm-hmm. off script. And uh, he's done a much better job of that.
1: Seems like Andre is playing with a little bit more. I don't know if confidence is the right word, but he's back to being his flying around, yeah. for lack of a better term, just messing shit up for the other team defensively. Right? Yeah, I think man. that's what he's at his best, that's what he does. How, has that in um, a coaching thing? Like, how, how have you gotten him going
2: You You just tell him you love him, and you know, and your uh, your you're impact is so much more than you know, points or field goal attempts or a guy standing in the lane when they're guarding you. I think um, you know it, it was a little bit of a mind issue for him. It's 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 such a unique thing when you're mm-hmm. guarded like that, and th- there is a remedy to it. Um, you know, you put yourself in a dunker spot. You go out and be a Screener on the perimeter. You could also get the ball off the defensive glass and push that thing mm-hmm. as hard as humanly possible and, and and create before they go stand under the rim. So uh, you know he's one of the most exciting players in the country, even uh, when he's not scoring points. What does Jordan Hawkins run the mile in? <laughs> it's got to be like like 3:55, something like that. Yeah, he's such a unique player, man. It's like uh, you know you don't want to compare him to to people in terms of being able to shoot on the off the move, like you know, like a Clay Thompson or, but, I mean, how many college players um, can run off of actions at the speed he can and then... The, the, answer, the answer is zero, by the way, the I answer mean, is zero. Just even, I'll say it, you don't have to say it. <laughs> I mean, over the last of just a couple of years, still much am mm-hmm. not just talking about like current. So, uh, you know, I, I think he, uh, he went through some highs, some lows during the year. And I, I think he's, uh, he was starting to play like, maybe like an early, uh, uh, like an early junior. Mm-hmm. But if we, get a, if we get a junior Jordan, Jordan Hawkins for the next uh, month, you know, we mm-hmm. can do big things.
1: The ankle's all right? I saw him walking up the stairs in the back, so.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, he was just trying to sell the foul that they didn't call before oh, is that they what called the second foul. <laughs> <I> mean, <yeah. laughs> all
1: right, so last thing I got for you. Ed Cooley in the press conference said that part of the reason that they were so messed up offensively was the $2 beer night. <laughs> right? Is that going to be something where it becomes a consistent thing? I'm putting you on the spot now. Can UConn fans expect two-dollar beer night more often? Because I mean, it works.
2: Yeah, get them much, drunk, and and you never know what's going to happen. I mean, again, much has been publicized about you know the XL UConn relationship mm-hmm. in terms of the finances of it, and how it's n- not really beneficial to u- the university. Um, so I don't know. I'm begging for the. For the two dollar beer night, maybe even a buck fifty. Just get worse beer. Yeah. You know, or just get worse beer. I, I don't uh, you know, Milwaukee's bad. Just get worse beer and charge maybe a, a buck.
1: Uh, these people aren't gonna care.
2: No, that was no. awesome tonight. Yeah, I mean, that was. was that was uh that was gamble at its best. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so you guys beat Providence by 18, you're back and rolling, you deserve something better than a two-dollar <laughs> beer tonight. Let's <Go> celebrate, <laughs> uh, man. Thank you for being here. Let's go, I got it.
3: Rob Dalster comes to us from Connecticut. In stores from inside Gamble, where tonight the UConn Huskies earned their 21st win and did it in emphatic fashion. They get revenge on Providence, 87 to 69. The Huskies, 10 and seven in the Big East, they've separated themselves into the top five uh, of the conference, and UConn made a statement tonight. Rob Doster made a statement.
1: It was for my money, the best that we've seen this team play since probably Portland, you know? I think that's probably what it was when they were beating up on the likes of Alabama and they were beating up on the likes of Iowa State. And it was nice to see them kind of get their swagger back, right? Like, it's been a while since we've seen that UConn team show up playing that way. Uh, Now, a lot of it probably had to do with the fact that they were playing in this building With everybody wearing the same color white, with everybody swinging their towels, and with everybody uh, enjoying the $2 Miller Lights that were going around. Uh, it was actually pretty funny. At tip-off, I would say a good 30% of the lower bowl seats were empty, but the concourses were completely packed because everybody was in line (laughs) trying to get their next beer. Um, And a lot of people made the right decision to grab two at a time every time that they went up there to grab it. I saw a lot of people double fisting. But I'll I'll say this about UConn. I, I've kind of been steadfast on this. When Tristan Newton shows up and when Tristan Newton is really good, it changes what UConn is. And when Andre Jackson is playing with his shoulders back and his chest out and he's playing, I I, I said it on Top Dogs. I said it on my podcast. When he's playing like he's Andre effing Jackson instead of just Andre Jackson, that's when UConn <laughs> is at their best. When they <laughs> get that Tristan and when they, they get that Andre Jackson. Because, like, you know what you're going to get from Adama Sonogo, right? I don't think he's ever going to be a guy – That necessarily is like the most dominant player on the floor. Um, but you know what you're gonna get from him. He's solid. You're gonna he's gonna give you a post release, right? You're gonna be able to get passing from him out of the high post. He's gonna be a good positional defender. He's gonna rebound, he's gonna block some shots, and you know what you're gonna get from Jordan Hawkins. Some night he's gonna go seven for 10 from three. Some nights he's going to go two for 10 from three, but you're going to get him running off of those screens. You're going to get the open looks. You kind of know what you're going to get from those two guys, but when Tristan Newton plays great and he wasn't great tonight, he was just he was good. He wasn't great tonight, but he he played with that confidence. Same thing with Andre Jackson. When you get it from those two guys, those are the difference makers. I think John
3: there's nobody in college basketball nobody in college basketball whose energy when on is a direct parallel to what his team ends up doing, then Andre Jackson's energy, hustle plays, his ability to get out on the run Mm -hmm. can do for this Connecticut team. It says it all that in 33 minutes tonight, he took a total of three shots. Mm -hmm. He had four points, six rebounds, four assists. This wasn't some absurd scoring game, but Rob, his floor game, he does the things that make you continually say, "Wow, wow!" The, the,
1: the big thing with him is, is it's it's the defense, right? It is the presence that he gives you rebounding. Like he shut off the water for Devin Carter. Devin Carter is a very Devin Carter is in, in my mind is going to end up being an NBA player. Like, I think he's one of the best defenders, the best perimeter defenders you're going to find in college basketball. He is a guy that can create his own bucket, that can make threes, that can play off the bounce. He's got long arms. He's athletic. He's got that NBA pedigree because of who his dad is. And Andre Jackson shut the water off for him tonight. And it was to the point I've honestly I swear I've never seen this out of a province before. But like those I don't want to say they quit. That's the wrong way to phrase it. But there was like a level of. Man, we're just not going to get it this time. But like four minutes left in that game, Bryce Hopkins is walking up the floor. Devin Carter is walking up the floor. Um, I think you heard in the press conference, Ed Cooley kind of called him out a little bit on it. Like that's, that's not what you expect out of this team. And to me, that, that is what UConn was doing to teams earlier in the year. And I don't know if this is necessarily like them being, I'm doing air quotes here, them being, being back or whatever. But that was, that was the best UConn performance we've seen since we didn't really know what they could be. Does that make
3: sense? Yes, it does, which is my question to you. Is UConn's best the best in the Big East? Um,
1: I don't think so. I, I'm still – I know that they just lost. I still think Creighton is the best team in the league. And Mark, like, how can you argue with Marquette? Like, how can you argue with the team that is, we know how good Providence is. We know how good Creighton is. We know how good UConn is. Uh, we know how good Xavier is. And Marquette is two games in front of all of them, right?
3: Yeah, yes.
1: I think one of the things I took away last night, Fanta, from, and, and not to get off this game, but one of the things I took away from last night yeah. was the ability that Marquette has to create turnovers when they need to. I don't think that they're a great defensive team because I don't know if they have that many great defensive players. They don't really have the rim protection that they had last year. And when you get out and you pressure, and when you get out and you overplay, it's really important that you have that that element of rim protection to take that away. Uh but man, that when they when they decided to guard last night, there wasn't really all that much that Creighton was able to do. That was that was as impressive of a second half as I've seen on the road in that building in front of 18,000 people down by 12 with four minutes left in the first half, man, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, i just, I've, I've been steadfast on this, and I've been called a homer about this. I think that the top of the Big East is the best conference, like as good as, better than the Big 12. I think the top four, maybe five in the Big East when UConn's playing like this is better than the top four or five in the Big 12. You can call me crazy, you can call me homer, you can call me whatever you want, but it's, It's this is a very, very, very good
3: league at the top. If it's not one, it's certainly two. And I would say from an entertainment value standpoint, that's just it. It's that when these teams are getting together, the entertainment value of the college basketball, for those who are saying out there that, oh, because certain blue bloods are down, college basketball suffers. You're not watching some of the games. Every single week, the Big East is Mm -hmm. delivering the goods. These marquee matchups have been fascinating to watch. Your first half tonight was really interesting. Jared Bynum was red hot. He hit his first four threes, and, and Providence was in it. I think, to your point, for UConn to score 50, 50 in the second half of the game, that's where they sucked the life out of Providence tonight. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and I think that that, um, that had more to do with just – it. this was not Providence's night. And you're allowed to have a couple stinkers like that. And I know, like, they lost the they lost the game to St. John's. They didn't play great in that game. Um, they did not play great in this one. And this is not, like, the, a good time to have those moments when you are not playing well, right? This is kind of when you want to be peaking and you want to be streaking in the right direction. Uh, but, I, like, big picture, I am not worried at all about Providence. At all. And to be frank, I think that the – the the reaction that you're going to get from Ed Cooley as a result of of this performance is going to be a good thing overall for Providence because it kind of woke him up a little bit, right? Like I, I sure as hell do not want to be in the practice tomorrow. Like good luck with that, man. That is not going to be fun. I'm not, I'm not worried about Providence at all. Like not, not even a little bit. Cause and cause here's why Fana. Yep. Jared Bynum is, like, that dude is a killer. We've seen what he can do. We know what he can do. He's done it over and over the years. Um, last year, he was sensational in big moments, right? And I think today, he didn't play great in the second half, but he hit three huge threes when it wow. looked like UConn was trying to be able to, like, pull away a little bit. Like, big momentum-killing threes. The Ones when he lets the ball go, and it's like, ooh, that's a big one. You know how you say that sometimes when you're watching a game? He hit three of those. Devin Carter, like I said, I think he's an NBA player. I think he's going to play in the NBA. I think he is terrific. I would make I I've, I've said I think Andre Jackson is the best defender in college basketball when he's playing his best. I think Devin Carter is somewhere in that conversation as well. Like yeah. he, I I tweeted this out. He looks like he is the biggest pain in the ass to deal yes. with when he's guarding you like, "Come on, man." Looks like that sucks. And then Bryce Hopkins is an All-American. He's a second-round pick, maybe a borderline first-round pick, and I think you can make the argument that when it comes to just straight up being able to get a bucket, he is as good as anybody in this conference. I, I think he might be, he might be the best player. I don't know if he's going to be the biggest player of the year. I think you got to give that to Tyler Kolick, but he's as good as any. I'm not worried about them at all, at all.
3: Three things before we get to Dan Hurley. Number one, Big East standings check, folks. Marquette is now firmly in the driver's seat. They're well on their way to their first Big East regular season championship. In a decade, Golden Eagles at 14 and 3, Xavier Creighton and Providence all at 12 and 5, UConn at 10 and 7, Seton Hall at 9 and 8, Villanova at 8 and 9. And I go deeper into the standings, folks, because how things shake out here, because now we know Marquette's going to win the regular season. Now it's it's like, okay, who's going to have to play Villanova in the conference tournament? Because all of a sudden that matchup has totally changed. Second thing on UConn. They out rebounded Providence 40 to 20 in this game. They handled Ed Croswell in this game really, really well. They dug in defensively. They were there in the right places. And that's where Sonogo just played. He played such a good game, a good floor game tonight. And then the third thing is nobody for Connecticut had more than three fouls in this game. Mm-hmm. That's
1: big. I was I was nervous for a second because our guy came at Kevin McNamara. Um, KMac sports he like he great job as good as anybody covering providence uh he tweeted out um providence leads the big east in free throw rate they haven't taken a free throw yet today with 18 minutes left in the second half and and it immediately led to a run of like out of seven possessions providence shot 11 free throws and i'm just sitting here like KMac, hey, come on man you jinxed it can you tell me what the lottery numbers are going to be
3: tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> you, pr- you probably could hey